Welcome to the Higher Ed Jobs Podcast, Ask the Expert Edition. I'm Andy Hibble, the Chief Operating Officer and one of the co-founders of Higher Ed Jobs. And I'm Kelly Sherwin, the Director of Editorial Strategy. Today, we have Dr. Christopher D. Lee, a Managing Director at Storebrook Search, author of several books, and a former Chief Human Resource Officer with many years of higher ed experience. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. My pleasure. So today's question from our Higher Ed Jobs community member is, how common has ghosting become in higher ed hiring? I am one of three finalists for a senior level role in a student affairs division, and we all had full day on-campus visits more than three months ago, and we're told we'd hear a decision in two weeks. We've since been informed they are still deciding. The position was reposted, and both times I followed up to express my continued waning interest, I get a terse response from the search chair. I've never seen anything like this in almost 30 years in higher ed. Chris, what are your thoughts on this? This is an important question and really one that's a challenge for higher education because we have a reputation for not being as fast or as responsive as we could be, especially compared to our private sector counterparts. So there are probably many different reasons. Some of them are more defensible than others. The first would be that higher ed tends to have a lesser sense of urgency than other sectors. That's positive on one end because we don't respond to fads and therefore we don't take actions that kind of come and go. And that's why institutions have been around for hundreds of years because they are more sure-footed and methodical. But that's also an excuse. And that excuse is not seen as clearly for those who are outside of higher ed who's applying for jobs, right? So one college president told me that higher ed thinks in semesters, not months. And I think that has some, some truth where our goal is to put this position out and hire this semester. When the private sector might say, we're going to try to hire this month or within the next few weeks. A friend of mine who's a vice president at a Fortune 500 company said, four or five months to hire someone? She goes, we would have hired someone, tried them out and fired them by now. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a different kind of sense of urgency in time. So. That's a little bit of an excuse because there's no reason why you can't be more deliberate and planful. As an example, when I'm training search committees, I often talk about planning the whole search in advance. You have to plan it out. Now, in recent years, I've been dealing with very senior positions and the availability of the people participating is really, really hard. So if you don't do that in advance, you risk having weeks and weeks when people aren't available. And so that's a part of the unfortunate pattern in higher ed where we aren't as planful, but we have an excuse of moving slowly and methodically. But the big one here of the probably four reasons why things being slow, certainly the sense of urgency is one, is the human element. Regardless of all that, the hiring manager, she or he, is responsible for the process. And the richness or the slowness of the process or the inefficiency of the process falls at his or her feet. So regardless of what the institution does, that manager can be deliberate, planful, and do things the right way. So we have to give that person the responsibility for the process. Now, of course, they get busy, have many challenges, many priorities. And so sometimes there can be some natural delays that happen, but they have to own the process. This process is complicated, however. In the private sector, it tends to be a hiring manager. She makes the decision. That's easy, right? She has some applicants, look at the uh, applications, makes a decision who to interview, brings them in for an interview, makes a decision. In higher ed, it's not that simple. We believe in shared governance. We believe that 
two heads or more heads are better than one. And we have the whole search committee process. So the whole shared governance process of many stakeholders to give you a 360 degree look at a position requires some time, effort and coordination. And that coordination can create some of those delays. But that process also has some richness that's probably worth a little slowing down. But as an HR saying, it goes hire slow, fire fast. So you want to make sure you get the right person so that investment in the search committee process probably yields a lot of great value because you got customers of the position, you got colleagues, you got superior subordinates, you get a 360 degree look at that position and the person who's going to occupy, your chances of making a good hire are really, really high. That shared governance process, you know, has some value. On the other part of the shared governance is the many different stakeholders. So many different stakeholders may have voting rights or input into a position. You may have HR, Equal Opportunity Office, the provost office, if you're dealing with certain kinds of positions, the dean's office or whatever, and you got to coordinate all that. That's delays. So right there, you have the sense of urgency. You have the hiring manager, and then you have the shared governance. So all of those sometimes slow down the process. And the candidate might feel like, what's going on? I mean, I applied for a job at XYZ Corporation, and they told me yes or no in two or three weeks, and the university is two or three months. And so all of that's going on. And the final one, which is just a bugaboo, man, that's some bureaucracy involved, right? You know, going back to all those stakeholders, a lot of them have their thumbprints on the process, and there's a lot of approvals because we believe in fairness and equal opportunity and things like that. You might have to have the, you know, diversity office or the HR office to sign off on a hire. We don't allow the individual hiring manager, you know, she or he to make the decision alone because sometimes those people aren't as fair as they could be, right? In the private sector, we, you know, research would show that that is the case. You have one person in, in the hiring process, they tend to hire people who are much like them. And so that pattern gets mitigated by having that shared governance process, the multiple approvals, but that comes with multiple complications and coordinations and communications. And that kind of creates a little fog in the process, which creates, you know, natural delays in addition to certain requirements that may be there by law that public institutions have to deal with as well. So I know it's a long answer, but at the end of the day, the pace and the pattern of hiring in higher ed is different than the private sector, creates some natural delays. But still, that hiring manager has responsibilities for being responsive to applicants and providing them with information. As noted here in that question, when an institution decides to consider other applicants, you know, it's really discourteous not to communicate to people that their candidacy is either delayed or they're no longer in consideration. The analogy here is you're in the kind of the dating thing and you're deciding to commit or not commit. And some people say, well, I'm interested in dating other people. That's a little bit of a, a kind of a slap, right? You know, uh, when a person reopens the search, but sometimes it's legitimate. The organization is saying, yeah, that's a great candidate, but that's not the optimal candidate for us. And so we're gonna consider others versus telling someone the truth uh, which the person would likely withdraw, they repost the position and then hide behind that bureaucracy we talked about. So that's kind of another reason why the process isn't as smooth. Most professions don't do that. They just close the search and reopen it. But again, we have laws and equal opportunity issues and other things that complicate higher education. And in public entities, how things are done can be a little different. So it's a little messy. And that messiness does not create the right kind of reputational front for 
institutions of higher education sometimes because we're not as responsive to applicants as we probably could or should be. So don't want to defend the practice or practices, but those who are listening in from your member group who are not higher ed people will probably find some solace in the response. Oh, it's not me, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's them, right? You know, institutions are slow and deliberate and there's a whole lot of people involved and we got some bureaucracy and we got some coordination things happening. That's why it's not an excuse, but hopefully it's an explanation that gives candidates some assurance that they should just stick to it and the institution will be giving them a call next week. Not this week. Thank you for that explanation. And yeah, I agree. It yeah. sometimes can be be messy. And as you were you were saying that I was thinking how, you know, the interview process is a two way street. So if this unfortunate instant happens, then maybe the job secret could back to your analogy of, of dating, then maybe that's not the right fit for them. So that's something that they potentially could consider. But the only other thing I wanted to mention was your idea of training the search committees. I love that. So maybe higher ed yep. needs to do a better job of training how to go throughout the, the process. I, I guess in a way it could be looked at as like a project and bringing in my project management and having, you know, timelines. And like you said, you, you plan yep. out the entire search and holding different, I completely understand the importance of shared governance, but keeping everyone accountable. And yeah, sometimes the project might be a little off deadline, might be delayed a little bit, but keeping it going. So I think that's really important. So maybe maybe we do need yeah. to do a better job of training our, our committees. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So you, you you know, Kelly, my two books on the search process, and you know, I've, I've done training for about 75 or 100 institutions over the past 20 years. Here's the challenge, right? The challenge is there's always new people coming in and search committees are by nature a cross-functional thing with a lot of people. So even if you do training, you need to do training again next year because you got new people coming in. And then the training is rarely required of everyone who serves because it's like, I've served on a committee before, but things change and evolve and the art of the process of hiring evolves over time, as you know. And so those sorts of things kind of get lost in the shuffle. Organizations should do training for anyone who participates on the search committee process, and they need to do refresher training for them over a period of time, such as the questions you can ask and not ask and the art of interviewing and all those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, that hiring manager, he or she is still responsible because even if the institution isn't as structured and systematic as they do for hiring people like me to come in and do some training, that hiring manager can say, hey, I want some training for my committee. So she still has the responsibility. He still has the responsibility for doing it in the best possible way. And then he or she should designate themselves, if they're the hiring official or the committee chair, to be the communicator in chief. Because as you said, on the talent side, you want the best candidates to stick in and stay with you. So just calling them or sending an email saying, hey, we're slower than we want to be, but we still like you, goes a long way. So regardless of all the messiness we just talked about, that hiring manager is in his or her best interest to be saying, I want the best talent and I need to help the HR department, the provost office or whoever is involved help me deliver on the promise of this process and the outcome. And they need to orchestrate things. That example that you just gave about you know the, the process taking a couple of months and someone giving you a call, actually that happened to me, my second job in, in higher ed. It was several months 
and the hiring manager reached out to me and said, Hey, we're just, we're going through some, some budget issues here where we haven't decided you're still in the running. So that was, that gave me hope and I ended up getting the position. So it turned out well. So, um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, I I had a similar issue getting a new job, applying for several jobs, getting a new job and then getting a call four months later because the process was slow. And so that's not, unfortunately, uncommon in higher ed, but that communication, mm-hmm. as, as you said, is the key. Yeah. So for all of our listeners out there, if you're interested in learning more about how to chair your first search committee, Chris actually wrote an article for us, and you can search by the title, Chairing Your First Search Committee, Avoiding Rookie Mistakes. So please check that out when you get a chance on our site. So thank you, Chris, so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure talking with you. It's always a pleasure. Take care. Thank you. If you have a question for one of our experts, please feel free to email us at podcast at higheredjobs.com or tweet us at higheredjobs. We'd love to share your questions with our experts.